Welcome to Ekuneni, a podcast about South African innovators. I'm Jen Warren. And I'm Pam Sykes. And Ekuneni is the Kosa word for corner. In South Africa, the street corner is where people hang out, trade stories and watch life unfold. And that's exactly what we hope to share with you. So join us to explore what stirs ordinary people to make a difference in their communities. We'll introduce you to some of Cape Town's local heroes who are changing the world with bravery, innovation, ingenuity and heart. Welcome to the fourth episode of Ekoneni Street Corner Stories. Before we start, we're experimenting with form and accessibility, and we've decided to include a bit more narration in our interviews. In addition, our website is finally live at ekoneni.com, that's E-K-O-N-E-N-I.com. And as of this episode, we're also including transcripts for the hard of hearing and anyone else who'd like to read the interviews. We would love your feedback. Please visit our Facebook page, Ekoneni Podcast, or email us at ekonenipodcast at gmail.com to share your thoughts and ideas. And now, on to the episode. Today, we're on the 12th floor of the Sunbell Building at the corner of Vortrekker and Old Parle Roads in Belleville, a suburb of Cape Town. I love the way you say for a trek in the gym. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> We're speaking with Luvo Yohani, who is the co-founder and managing director of Silulu Uluto Technologies. It's a proudly South African tech company that's bringing IT services to rural, underserved and township communities. Silulu started from humble beginnings in 2004, famously out of the boot of Luvuyo's car in Kailicha. My name is Luvuyo Hani. I'm the founder and MD of Silulu Uluto Technologies. Well, I used to drive a two-door Corsa Light, then 204, and I was a teacher at that time. I was younger than most of my colleagues, and the government that time was introducing outcome-based education to teach learners more on skill. So computer becomes a tool. So I saw that as an opportunity to sell refurbished computers teachers and um, I asked my brother to go to the bank and ask for 10,000 to buy four computers. So the first month there were two computers being sold and the second month there were two computers and people were saying to me I'm mad, I mean how should I resign and sell second computers, how do I think I'm going to live? But Livrio did figure out a way to live. He called upon a long-standing South African tradition of pooling funds to invest in assets, the stock fell. Pam, can you explain to us what the Stockfell is? Sure. A Stockfell is actually a very brilliant way for people who don't have access to formal credit to pool their resources so they can buy big-ticket items like houses and fridges and, in Lavoyo's case, computers. So say we both need new computers. Yeah. We get together with a group of friends we trust who also need new computers, and then everyone commits to paying a set amount each month. So say, I don't know, 200 rand. And then every month, one person gets everything. So you might have to wait a while, depending on where you are in the queue, but you end up with what you need and no debt. So everybody gets their own computer at the end of the day. Everyone gets their own computer. So I group teachers in a group of six. So they work together, there's a trust, they know each other. So they will contribute 400 each, about 2,400. So I'll go and buy computers at 2,000 rand, and then I'll make 400 rand. So there were 15 computers in December because they were using the stock fair. In January, there were 20. My brother joined me, 
full-time selling computers. So once we deliver computers in the household of a teacher, we spend four hours just to connect because we used to carry those big monitors. My teacher, my brother come from engineering background, none of us were in IT background. So we don't know how to fix and repairs. And these were second-hand computers. So they had problem around network. So we used to send them to our suppliers and our suppliers were smiling. And then we realized, no, we need to find a third partner who's more inclined in terms of IT. So it becomes three of us. So the name Sidulo is our name. It's like Skribo, Nuabo. But the meaning of the name is like we bring value through technologies. So we went to every school in Kailicha and Kugletu and all the township schools selling these refurbished computers. So teachers were buying these computers. So it took us two years running the business in the boot of a car. After two years of selling refurbished computers to school teachers, Livio noticed a problem. The new computers were collecting dust. Teachers didn't have the skills or the confidence to use them effectively. They had just become really expensive ornaments. Paperweights. Yeah. So Luvuyo, his brother Lonwa Bohani, and their partner opened their first internet cafe in Kailicha. It wasn't easy. We are defaulting in the payment of the car, payment of the house, so it was kind of a tough time for us. And then we decided, no, let's have an internet cafe in the mall. So they were building a mall in Kailicha. So we went in the space and we were told that we were blacklisted. So no bank could loan us money. So I think what I've learned in that situation, like, when your back is in the wall, there's always a way, and I learned the power of leverage. I went to a guy who have the space, so I asked him, can we have the 30 square meters so we can open a cafe? And then we went to, to a supplier and asked 10 computers, loan us 10 computers, we'll pay you every month 2000 until we're in a position to buy these computers. And then we were trading. On the 15th of July, 2006, we started working. 28th, we made about 250 rand as a turnover, and the expense were 12,000 rand. People were angry with us. So it took us a year. And 13 years later, Salilo employs 200 people and operates 45 branches and counting in three provinces. This growth has been driven by Luvuyo's recognition really early on that just providing access to the technology is not enough. People also need a place to learn the skills they need to use that technology effectively. That time, people were queuing. People used to go to Mitchell's Plain or to Cape Town, just access for the internet. So now we bring this service closer to them. So they would come in our store and look for the service. And we realized early, I mean, I, when I look at past videos, I would say that the problem in Kailicha, in Soweto, in Mtansane, in Mlazi, those are four biggest townships in South Africa, is the same problem around access. And I'm still right even today. Access to information is key. Very important. And then if you can do that, we could leapfrog. And that lack of access to information holds people back in all areas, in health, in education, in being able to see what else might be out there, what other careers they might be interested in. If we could have internet for all, it would make our country move. It would create more entrepreneur to bring service closer. It would make people realize that we're living in a globe and there will be many things that will come in. But before that could happen, Lavoyo and his team had to bridge the access gap. And they had to do it in a way that didn't repeat the mistakes made by governments and nonprofits who tend to think access is just about infrastructure. We can't expect computer labs to thrive when people don't know how to use them. I mean, we talk about 
everyone has got a device who's supporting that device. If there's a network, there's a connectivity. I mean, government talk about putting free Wi-Fi. It's like it could be a white elephant if it's not been done with a local context. Like now, even government is trying to provide tablets, content, but those tablets have not been used, not working, and then go back to square one. I think my experience with the government in all national and local government, it's not been great. For me, it's been frustrating space where you spend your time engaging with people not being able to understand what's happening on the ground. If you come to our centers, we bring dignity. We give much more, I mean, customer service, even on a language that we understand, we handhold you. We don't say this is a computer, do for yourself. If you come in, you bought the device and you want to set up your email or you want to get to WhatsApp, we assist you. We empower you to extend that tomorrow you could do for yourself. But if you have a problem, you can come to us. If they need a friendly face they can trust, speaking their own language, just help me over the first hurdle. It is. I mean, how do you expect people that never touched it before and hoping that people are going to embrace it? The gap is not only about putting the infrastructure. Gap is more empowering people to embrace it, growing with the people because technology grows. In fact, we're in a situation where now they want more. And as a brand who's localized, you will remain relevant in years to come because you are embedded with the people. And I think something that we've done, same model in the Western Cape, we're doing every part in the country. And it works with the local context in terms of local entrepreneur who's a franchise and that person localized it. Because Western Cape, Eastern Cape, Houghton, they are different. How are they different? Have you been surprised by anything? No. Many surprises, I mean, with the, even on our training. In the Western Cape, 80% of our students are women. And then 80% of them are looking for employment. In the Eastern Cape, 60% are professionals. Teachers, nurse, I mean, police and public service. It's become a business center now. So professional people, they're using this as like their office. Here it's more, I must go and copy, get my CV, find employment, and then connect to social media after school. Your website says you have 34 branches. Is that, <laughs> is that bigger now? Okay, Luvuyo is laughing here because Salulo is growing so fast, we were already way out of date when we asked that question. And by the time this podcast goes live, they'll have 45 branches. And at two new branches a month, Luvuyo is aiming for 100 by 2019. Yep. And this growth is possible because Silulu now uses a franchise model that empowers aspiring business owners from local communities to buy in. You've got a setup cost, you've got the franchise fee, and you have operational costs that we have. And then we only take 8% on management fee and then 3% to marketing. So 11% comes to us and then the whole amount comes to you. So we've got a champion who's supporting you. We are here to look at in terms of what more can we come and bring in your store. So we evolved now because our interest is two ways, making money, but also making difference in people's lives. A person that comes in has to be living silo value. He has to be hands-on, not doing other things. So he cannot be a part-time. He has to be, you live, you eat. And I think what we've learned now, we will set up a silo foundation now to allow the staff member from Silulo to own some of the franchise. So it's easy from there because they live the value, live the culture, they are part of Zilulo. Tell us more about those Zilulo values. There are six values that we have and that encompasses everything. I mean, that Zilulo name, the S stands for service. So our existence, we here to be of service to our people. And then the I for inspiration. For us, we've got a story to tell. 
we start from humble beginning we show that against all odds it's possible we show that i don't have to wait for government to be given anything no entitlement you can do it by working hard and be passionate and then the l it's for learning for me from the staff from everyone that success is based on ongoing learning and then you ubuntu our existence is because of our people if you vote a store here yeah, you must find someone locally we've got a csi project to give back we empower the staff members to own and then the air loyalty and then the last one ownership people must take ownership and speaking of the Salulo values, we're going to take a short break from Lavuyo for a few minutes and take you to one of Salulo's newest branches in Kailicha Site C to meet a few of the people who make Salulo what it is today. We're going to start with area manager Apiwe Mazamisa, who's been a part of Salulo from the beginning. And then you'll hear from student Sinotolo Muzukwa. Just a note that we recorded these interviews on location in the Sululu offices, so you will hear background chatter from customers and students, so please excuse the sound quality on this one. Over to Apiwe and Sino. My name is Apiwe Mazamisa. I work as an area manager of Sululu Luta Technologies. In the Western Cape, we've got about 14 stores, so I look after the 14 stores. I'm the salesman. I'm in love with interaction and engaging with people. I started as a student and after being a student I came and joined the organization as a consultant. Then I was promoted as a branch manager because Silulo was going outside of Kailicha. That's when they were starting this expansion phase. If you were to think back and compare Silulu when you started to Silulu now, what are the biggest differences? At the time when we started it was just a flat structure. There was no manager, there was no directors. Everyone was the same. And all of us, our driving force was the revenue. No analysis of the cost and whatever the case might be. So Luvuyo wanted us to make money. He was selling the vision to us all the time and we bought the vision. So that was the kind of culture. And when we eat, we eat together. Everything that we do, we do it together. But right now, there's structures, processes, because you can't continue working with the same strategy, otherwise the business will go down to earth. So what makes Silulu a great place to work? The first thing for me would be the leadership, and the second thing would be given a chance to explore your creativity, not to be told on what to do, but to be expected to bring results. And then also just to employ young people that will come with great minds. My name is Sinokolo Mzukwa. I live in Side B, Kailicha, but originally I'm from Eastern Cape. Today I'm doing an office administration course. It takes six months. And have you ever done a course with Silulu before? Yeah, this year. I started January this year. I was doing an end user. And then after end user, I decided no man computer alone is not enough so i have to do something else so i applied for the office admin course some of us we we very poor but it's affordable and if you have a problem in that month you can come and talk to them i can't pay you this month i have to pay you next month so they will understand and it's the nearest place here i don't even use the transport man i walk to come here that's important yeah so the very first course that you took here, what did you learn? I learned a lot. First of all, I never touched a computer before. 
So yeah, I learned to type. I know the Microsoft Word now, I know the PowerPoint, I know how to email and how to receive email, how to check my emails and the internet. I never Google anything, but now I can Google very important information for myself. It sounds like this has made a big difference to your self-confidence. Exactly, exactly. I like to learn new things. I want to challenge myself even further, but I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where to begin because I was like, oh, I'm poor, so I'm going to hold back. But then I come to Silulu, now I see things in a different way. If you were to kind of share with other people that don't yet know about Silulu, what do you think is the most important thing that they know about why it's good to learn these skills and, and how it's helped you? First of all, I was in that era that if you have grade 12 metric, you're going to find a job. And then I noticed, if I only have my metric, I'm just as those other guys that have grade 9. You cannot find a job that said metric only. So you have to upgrade yourself, you have to work very hard. And if you have computer, you can see life differently. You have that drive that I want to do something else. You want to learn more, you want to expand your knowledge. It's giving you a light and then you can see your future in a better shape. Welcome back. It was really good to get a sense of just how much of a difference Salulo is making to people's lives. We pick up Livio's personal journey with a question about the I in the Salulo values. Inspiration. I'd like to talk more about the inspiration because on that, I think it's really important that you're from the Eastern Cape, you came to Kailichi, as you say, you're a homegrown success story. So it's not about coming in from somewhere outside. Because I'm the first generation with my brother at home. No one have done it before. We've done it from a bootstrap. And we come from a similar background of many of our sisters and our brother. So we can speak from authority because we understand the poverty. We understand not being able to go to school. So we can tell our brothers that you cannot come here and think that someone is going to own anything. It's not about the connection. It's purely about our hard work. It's only purely about our drive, our hunger, and that makes us where we are today. So we can tell in other communities, the fact that we're not able to stimulate more entrepreneurs because access to funding is a key. There are many young people who've got amazing ideas that can change this world, but because of their profile, because of where they come from. I'm saying to you, be sensitive, but I'm saying to my brother, keep on pushing. And that's why I'm saying sometimes government must get away and allow the space for entrepreneurs instead of them because their job is to provide water, not internet. You need disruptors, you need unconventional people, you need people that are doing things in a different way. In terms of being a disruptor, are you born an entrepreneur or were you made an entrepreneur, that nature versus nurture? It seems clear to me that you feel you've always been an entrepreneur. What were you doing as a kid? What other... <laughs> What other things did you get into? <laughs> well, my mother used to, she was a domestic worker. My father was a nurse. We were staying in a two-bedroom. But because of winds of change in our country, 86, 87, 88, so we have to move in a two-bedroom house to a three-bedroom house. And then because my father's salary has to pay the bond, so it was difficult to take care of the four boys. And So my mother was not working that time. 
So we have to convert the lounge, the dining room, to make it a shebeen. So I used to come back at school, ask this with my mother, and go and buy the stock, dealing with the customer until at night, and make sure that the sale and the stock count has been done, and the relationship and the suppliers are kind of like happy. It was more for us to survive, just to eat. It was not a proud moment for us in that time, but it was a shaping me from an entrepreneurship point of view. And then that made me to have my own little stand where I sell cigarettes and veg outside. So that just shaped me in that regard. And I think something that you know, our community don't realize is that oh mama that selling the potatoes and the veggies in the street, they're producing I mean, young people that are going to be the future leaders of tomorrow. So I come from that humble beginning where my mother is my role model. And that time as a woman, it was illegal to own a shibin. So police used to come to raid our house to arrest my mother. And that resilience, we were able to see Mama through those struggles, she bounced back. You need good examples. You need entrepreneurs who's got a social agenda. Because this country can only be liberated by technology and entrepreneurship. For me, the social aspect, the tech, that connectivity, that access, it opens eyes for people to question the government, to demand better services, to know their right, and also for them to be part of this democracy. So I think the problem, when you look at it from a South African context, we don't have enough examples that we look up to. So even the one that we have, there's no story behind. We just like see someone's like making it. How is not being looked at? So we need a good example that starts from nothing. So a person can say that, I mean, in the deeper areas in the township, if this man, can do it based on the vision or dream or hard work or passion. What's stopping me to do it? For me, it's always been about storytelling. You know, identify those local heroes. Because it's useless to read about Facebook or Twitter. It's a great example globally. But it doesn't have anything with the guy in Kaidish. So the guy in Kaidish has to learn from someone who's making it in a similar context when I've seen it in Kaidish with high numbers of unemployment. The danger is when you have many people where they don't have anything to lose, nothing to lose. In terms of the gap, what's next for tech in South Africa and the needs of the country? No, there's no the need. I mean, there's need. I mean, everyone knows that the data is very expensive. In fact, if you go to a township or areas, the first thing that they ask you, can you give money so I can buy Facebook? <laughs> I can buy WhatsApp? I mean, it's, that's kind of a necessity. Probably 52% of our population access to the internet, and most of them access to a mobile. That access is very important. Connectivity is very important. The cost, the skill is very important. But look at what's happening now. That gap is still there. So access in rural areas, you're saying, is really important? Access to township rural areas, and it's quite key. I mean, like, how do we expect someone who's in a Kala or Tukumvava or Tipa Matubatuba where there's no connectivity. I mean, go to every university in South Africa. If you study there, you must apply online. There's no connectivity. So the whole town, they depend on the mobile. So that person will be in a dark age. We are suffering, we are going there. We are going because the time things change will be already there. That's why people have become much more interested from us and say that there's going to be a time that we can realize Sidulo is a kind of a partner 
collaborator or leveraging on that regard. The hundred stores that I'm obsessed with, I want to be every province. Access in the township area is very important. So we are last mile. Even if someone is in the rural areas want to order a phone, they can come to Silul. So your vision is really that you will be the national network of the pipe. access points. From e-commerce, e-learning, m-commerce, those are kind of things that you bring back closer to people. And then when they talk about township economy, who's the best to talk to? No brain. We see in 2025 we'll have 400 stores. We'll be starting now in Sutu, Zimbabwe. But one thing that is going to come in, it's kind of our identity in terms of Silulu. We're not going to compromise. So I'll spend much more time on Silulu. So my two partners can spend time managing the other partners. But we don't lose the core of our existence and focusing on money, 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 and forget in terms of what makes us where we are. You spoke about in the early years, you had your mother as a role model, but essentially you were without mentors. You had to do it for yourself. You had to bootstrap. And it sounds like now you have some wise mentors in the background. But if you were to identify who were the external mentors or influences on your growth in the last 10 years? I met many amazing people who were selflessly giving in the best praise in the world and that able to sit with me. We've made many mistakes. We have serious lessons, but they were there with us all along. It's very difficult, and I think something that we've you don't see. Start from a put of a car. You have one store. You have your store managed. You grow from your store managed. You have a couple of stores that we are running around the country, and then then you move from a franchise point of view, and then now it's a little become corporatized with my systems, structures, processes. That shift was kind of difficult for me. It's been tough in the past three years because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm not a detailed person. That part of releasing part of your role and make sure that there are guys taking over and also realizing that you could be an enemy of yourself once you grow because of you will think that you've made it and you know of how this business works, whereas you could only do 30% of the work and other percentage has been done other people. So we've learned a great way. I know I say that it's difficult to start a business, but it's very difficult to run a growing business because it needs you. How about some of those graduates through your program? And are there one or two that did something quite phenomenal with this training and or have stayed within Salulu? We have amazing stories. 40% of our staff members are former students. So you have Kangilan who started with us six years back. He was a student and now we've introduced him to SAB Foundation from a funding point of view to buy the stake. So he owns 50% of the store in PAL now. He's looking at now to get another 50% to have 100%. Another young amazing chap that I taught him when I was a teacher and he was a third employee. He used to get 500 a month. Sorry. He studied with us and then after that he became a area manager managing the stores and now he's owning the store in Strand. He just finished paying the store. So in the position now he's looking for a second store. So you really are seeing the link from learning the skills through to becoming more easily employed or starting a business. You cannot today find employment. Even the guys who are 
painters or bricklayers now, they come to us and say that, can you set up Gumtree because the bosses are on Gumtree? It's become, with this shift in technology over the last 20, 30 years, a real base, base. requirement. But this is where I'm saying that it can take poverty away because you jump. I mean, the Western Cape, they say, hunger for black talent. We need more black tech guys that can come in digital marketing around that. So, I mean, it's, it's a space that we fit in very well. Luvuyo's comment about the hunger for black talent is a reminder that the legacy of apartheid is still alive and well in Cape Town. Because of enduring educational disparities, the tech scene is very much dominated by white men. I asked Luvuyo if he'd seen this changing at all. There's always been this big gap. There's a huge gap. And Cape Town is still a very segregated yeah. city. So are you seeing that gap closing? Are things shifting? What's going on? No, 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 no. That gap has not been shifting. I mean, so you never ever catch it because the guys are already looking at next evolution. So that gap is not going to be looked at at all in terms of bridging that gap because of the scale and the education, the background is not the same. If you come from Bishop, you've got the great network and uncle and aunt who are the entrepreneurs that have done it before. And then when you start your business, you're able to access funding, resources, infrastructure, you will kind of jump. But if you come from Kaidisha, you've studied from UCT, you will have to start working so that you can care of your sibling because your parents are not in the position. In South Africa, we are hard on ourselves. Once you fail, you are history as if you go to jail because no one will trust you anyway. So you're not able to fail. So you'll remain in that situation where you just come up the ladder now. So you find a young chap in Kaidisha who passed grade 12. He's got a passion for businesses. He wants to change the world. That is amazing. But he's a one-man child. He meet with many amazing people. They're going to come confuse him. He said, no, go this way. Go that way. No, go that way. And you find him like, keep on. Because there are so few role models, the minute someone pops up, Everybody wants a piece of him. Everybody wants the story. So it must be very confusing and difficult, actually, for a young person. It has to be difficult for me. Because, I mean, like, once you start making it, you've got a gift. People want to see your piece everywhere. You talk everywhere. You tend to think that, now you've made it. And you focus on wrong things more than running your own business and trying to be all over and trying to give everyone attention. So because we don't have a strong entrepreneurship culture, I'm alone. So even while I'm succeeding, there's still a lonely road. So I'm in the situation now, I'm kind of like, look at myself, what I eat, and then exercise, and in terms of the stress level, and also the deeper mask and deeper things, and become vulnerable. So I'm kind of in the space which is where I discover also about my roots, and understand where I come from, and then hence like myself, I want to give back because there are many people that assisted me. There is this possibility of leapfrogging without four or more years of formal yeah. education. So that's why the beauty about the tech, it's able to show people possibilities that through innovative ideas that will come in, you're solving your own problem, you can solve the problem of the communities that can bring money through you and change your life. So someone also sees that they could be in a situation that it's cool to be in tech and I want to pursue that. Oh, it's cool to be in Shrapnir. I want to pursue. Because I mean, you are changing the mind shift that you must wake up eight to five job and you must work at Old Mutual. You are saying that you can work for yourself, 
you can make money. And I think it's where now we need those tech businesses to celebrate them, to talk about them, mm -hmm. to showcase about them, so the others can see. That's the only way evolution can come in. The very last question, and you've kind of answered it yeah. already. What makes you an innovator? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question, eh? I think what makes me to innovate, it's if you understand the, the entrepreneurship journey, that moving from selling computers on the boot of a car to entire cafe, to training, to mobile, through providing space. I have to innovate in the space where I am because if I'm not doing that, I'll miss out. And it makes me always keep on looking what is going to be next. So it's purely about curiously, empowerment, it's purely based on seeing the communities, what is missing, what can I bring. So being an innovator, just keep on questioning, is it enough? Is it okay? What more can I do? I mean, asking that kind of critical questions that makes me think, process it, and start engaging around that and say, how can I become the next big things? And that's my interest to build history, to leave legacy. To do that, you must innovate. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. You know, I get the feeling Lavuya was pretty well on track to creating that legacy he's talking about. It was a real education for me to speak to him. I got a real sense that South Africa has two economies and that what it takes to succeed in one is very different from what it takes to succeed in the other. Mm. And also that it's very hard to move between them. But organizations like Silulu are empowering the next generation who might do it. Indeed. And speaking of young leaders, Jen, there's an exciting opportunity coming up, which you're going to tell us about, right? Yes. Applications for the 2018 Mandela Washington Fellowship open on September 13th, and the U.S. Consulate of Cape Town is getting the word out. It's the flagship program of the Young African Leaders Initiative, so if you're passionate about social entrepreneurship, leadership, and empowering fellow South Africans, this is a great opportunity for academic coursework, leadership training, and networking in the U.S. If you listened to our second episode, you might remember that film director Shane Vermutten was a 2015 Mandela Washington Fellow. So if you're between the ages of 25 and 35, and you have a record of leadership accomplishment, a commitment to service, strong social and communication skills, and you can work respectfully in diverse groups, consider applying. Apply. For more information about the program and eligibility, visit yali.state.gov, that's Y-A-L-I .state.gov, and click on Mandela Washington Fellowship. We'll also put the link in our show notes. And if anybody listening gets selected, let us know. Maybe you can join us on a future episode. Good luck. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. Econani is produced by me, Pam Sykes. And me, Jen Warren. We're supported by the US Consulate of Cape Town and the American Corner at the Cape Town Central Library. Special thanks to Nwabisa Mayema and Debbie Matea for moral support. Add music courtesy of Bottled Sounds and Sean Lawler. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Radio Public. Search for Ekoneni Podcast.
Welcome to the fourth episode of Ekuneni, Stories from the Street Corner. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <felt> so wrong. <laughs> you threw me off. so wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay, welcome. Okay. 